0: Hey, it's Greg. Thanks for checking out Toronto Today, the podcast version for Monday, June 13th. Really busy show today as we talk to Patrick Brown. Haven't had him on in a few months. Uh, We used to have him on quite a bit, but he was busy the last 90 days signing memberships, meeting potential voters, not just uh, for the Conservative Party of Canada leadership, but eventually in a general election. That's the hope anyway for him that he becomes the nominee later this summer. We'll ask him about that and chasing down current frontrunner Pierre Polyevre. We also have a conversation about Justin Bieber's diagnosis of a rare neurological disorder that has created some facial paralysis for him. It's a really serious story. Um, the roots of the syndrome that he has right now uh, are based on shingles and chickenpox, And we talked to an expert about that. It's all coming up. Toronto Today begins now. Let me start here. Um, you may have seen this because sometimes we come in on Monday. And there's stuff from Friday afternoon, and you're like, oh, my heavens, I wish I had a show tomorrow. Not often do I say that, but we did that on – I did at least on Friday afternoon and started talking this with a bunch of friends. Mark Shapiro is the president uh, and CEO of the Toronto Blue Jays, and uh, he weighed in on ActiveTO, and pretty you know, vigorously, as a matter of fact. He says, stop it. Don't extend it on Lakeshore Boulevard West. Now, that's not the only place ActiveTO is. But it is a main uh, artery, if you will, of where ActiveTO has been going. So the city is considering whether or not to have bikes on these particular roads. And this, uh, we became aware of this around Friday afternoon when Matt Elliott of the Toronto Star noted that, that Mark Shapiro is on, you know, on this side saying, shut it down. You're impacting my customers. You're impacting people that want to come and see the Toronto Blue Jays. So Mark Shapiro writes, John Tory, city council says, stop it. His quote, we support folks getting outside and being active, but Toronto has many options and routes to use, whereas our fans do not. Where's the lie there? Where's the lie? It's a bit of a strange thing that he weighed in on. And naturally, CEO of larger corporation is not always going to be received terribly well under those circumstances. They sure aren't going to be received terribly well on uh, on the internet or that uh, website that some people reference as uh, as uh, Twitter. And if it wasn't called Twitter, it, it might be like, I don't know, cesspool.com or something. Look, I get what I get out of it. But beyond that, um, Mark Shapiro took a bit of a caning for that particular opinion. But here's Mayor Tory on the weekend, denoting that he sees the traffic data. There's no question active DO impacts traffic. And I'll get to that sort of 416 versus everybody. You know those shirts out there, Toronto versus everybody else, uh, Toronto versus the world that's what it feels like sometimes with a program like active to here's mayor Tory documenting the fact that we're in different times than we were two years ago and we're in different times when it comes to uh being able to exercise
1: like it was for a different reason which was that people couldn't go many other places they needed a place to go outdoors safely and have lots of space but we, we you know we like the idea that some of our streets and public realm facilities could be used by people on an ongoing
0: basis and so we've continued with the program but very much uh, in a way to sort of examine the results and so I have the traffic data. There is no question that it had an, a bigger adverse impact on traffic
2: uh, over that time.
0: So I want people to be able to get out there. I want people to be able to exercise. Um, we have what I would deem a obesity crisis in our society, but that's not that's not for me to moralize or ethicize about what you should do all I can do is look in the, my own mirror and go, uh, you know, e- e- ease up on the on the Buffalo Wild Wings. I love I love going there, but like, let's ease up. Let's not have that third draft beer tonight at Massey Hall. Let's get to the gym when we don't feel like it. Let's do those things, and let's get outside and be active. Of course. But I'm also not the CEO of an organization, and my job is to put butts in seats in an older stadium on artificial turf. And even though the team is doing well, um, I have a job. I have a responsibility to my company. I, I mean, it, I'm, I'm Greg Brady. I have a responsibility to come on the air and do the best show I can every morning, to be prepared, to uh, to see both sides of arguments, to hear from the people of Toronto. It's your show. It's not mine. And uh, God forbid Mark Shapiro decide that he wants his place of business to be accessible to his customers. God forbid that's the case. And I saw all the arguments. Norm D. Pasquale, by the way, uh, is going to join us at 820 to talk a fair bit about this. This seems like a constant battle to me. And I'm not in that that zone right now that I understand many 416ers are. I mean, I hear from, I don't want to make this a millennial battle. I don't. But if I was 28 and living in a condo, and I didn't own a car, I, I then, then on my, my side of this argument is pretty clear. Walk to the game. Take transit to the game. Take an Uber to the game. Have it drop you off. That doesn't affect whether people can use active TO to ride bikes or not. But they know when Blue Jays games are. The city does. They know when Toronto FC games are. These games are difficult to drive to. And you might say, well, don't drive. Just take public transit. You can't just tell people to do that because transit involves walking. Transit also can involve uh, and you might want to take little kids to a Toronto FC game or a Blue Jays game. You might want to take elderly parents okay, to a baseball game, if you so choose, or at least a Raptors game. It doesn't matter. We took my grandfather um, in his 80s to plenty of Jays and Tigers games. My dad's that. How do we do it? We parked within 100 feet of Exhibition Stadium or Tiger Stadium, okay? I'm not asking my grand hey, grandpa, take the GO train yourself and then meet us at the stadium, and then let's do that 12-minute walk through Union Station uh, across the Skyway and get to our se- – that's going to take 18 minutes to get to our seats. I'd like to minimize the walking for people in their 80s, if it's at all possible. And we've talked about the cost for GO trains before. Me and three friends want to come in to see a Blue Jays game? Brady, just take public transit. Why do you want it? Why do you need to drive to a Blue Jays game? Well, uh, maybe for saving money. Maybe if the go uh, costs were not so antiquated and ridiculous, I would pay $84, $21 round trip each way for four of my four people counting me to go to a Blue Jays game. Okay, yeah, I guess we don't have to park. And, and I guess we arrived there at Union Station, and it's a quick, for us, for able, you know, uh, younger people, I suppose, it's, it would take us 10 minutes instead of 20. But I know if you're walking with a four-year-old, I've done those things. I've come in on public transit. I did, I did my duty there and didn't, uh, didn't drive a car down to the game. But I'd love to see a breakdown of Jay's attendance for walking, transit, and driving. I'd love to see that. There's no way driving isn't at least 20% of Blue Jays fans. Every Blue Jays fan game I ever came to before I lived here, um, in when I, and I'm 30, how old am I? 36 when I moved to Toronto after 10 years in Detroit where there was no public transit whatsoever. So you have to drive everywhere. Maybe that gets embedded in your brain a little bit. There's no way it's not at least one in five. So uh, t- uh, what I'm saying is if there's 30,000 people at you know Blue Jays, Yankees next Saturday, I'm telling you, I'm telling you at least one in five of those customers got there via a car. There's no way it's more than 80%. Not during the week. So Shapiro's looking out for his customers, we'd be saying the same if a bunch of small businesses had an issue also. And I understand it, okay? I understand it. You live downtown. You don't have a kid. You tell people to take transit everywhere. It isn't that simple for everybody. And I think, boy, do we ever live in an era of judgment? No question that we do. How's somebody from Kitchener supposed to know all about Active TO? How are they supposed to know what roads are closed uh, w- the, you know w- w- to bikes at a if you're coming in for a three o'clock Saturday afternoon game or heaven forbid, you know again, God bless you if you're driving a long distance to come to a Friday night 7 pm game in Toronto rush hour traffic. But we used to do those things. My dad and I used to park at Yorkdale and take the subway in. We figured out how to do that, but maybe not everyone can. He's in his 40s. I'm in my teens. And we say, let's park at Yorkdale. We know what we're doing. But Exhibition Stadium? No, Nobody was taking public transit to Exhibition Stadium in 1988 for baseball games. There's no way. I want to revisit this a little later on in the show. Uh, but give me a text on this right now. 289-975-1640. 289-975-1640. It's easy to dig in on the corporate overlord, Mark Shapiro. It's really easy to do that. But he's got a point. He's trying to protect his business and his customers. And there's no doubt in my mind he thinks he's got less customers there because people are like, I I can't get there on time. Happy to bring on our next guest. He's the former Ontario uh, PC leader. He is the current mayor of Brampton, and he hopes to be later this summer the leader of the Conservative Party of Canada. He is Patrick Brown. Mayor Brown, it's great to have you on our show. Thanks very much for making the time to do this.
2: Greg, it's great to be back on your show. It's been a while, but it's uh, it's always an honor.
0: Listen, I I know doing segments with Steve Pakin took a lot out of you, but I didn't think we wouldn't hear from you for 90 days. But, you know, I don't think Steve, <laughs> I take that less personally than Steve will, I think. I'll put it that way.
2: Well, I look forward to going
0: back <laughs> on with Steve Pakin again in the future. Well, that's, uh, that's a good thing. I'm looking at the numbers and, uh, and clearly um, when we just look at federal elections, I'm sure you drill down as well. And you see the liberals in 2015, uh, when Justin Trudeau first runs and they win 80 seats and the, uh, the the CPC wins 29. Then in 2019, it's 79 to 36. Then in 21, it's 78 to 37. You must have looked at that as an impetus to go. A lot of these seats are right here in Ontario. They're in the 416. They're in the 905. And the last three times out, Stephen Harper, Andrew Scheer. Aaron O'Toole the job just like they cannot penetrate what's described as a red wall and you're hopeful you can do that
2: yeah so I think you're referring to the Ontario numbers um at a, mm-hmm. at a federal level and and you're right the, the conservative party in the last few elections I have um won the popular vote but they have lost the election because they they get wiped out in suburban Canada particularly the, the greater Toronto Hamilton area where it's a uh, Um, It's a liberal fortress. And one of the reasons I put my name forward is uh, I believe we do need to get Canada back on track and that there are serious uh, failings um, in Ottawa. But we're not going to do that uh, unless you have a Conservative Party that is reasonable, inclusive, pragmatic and has the capacity to to win in suburban Canada. And certainly I've had a history of doing that, whether it's in Brampton or in Scarborough. Um, And I want to take that inclusive, Conservative message um, on a national level.
0: Is it as simple as win Ontario, win the GTA, and win the Prime Minister's office?
2: Well, that really is the um, the one area the Conservatives haven't been able to break through. And if you look at the last two elections, if they win the GTA, if they won the nine hundred five, they, they'd be in office today, and Justin Trudeau wouldn't be the Prime Minister. And you know, some of the issues that I've brought up during this campaign, I think, speak to how we could be more successful. In the GTA, let me give you an example. An issue I've talked a lot about is, is Bill 21. I couldn't believe that uh, when religious freedom was being attacked in our country, uh, you had Justin Trudeau and the Conservatives on the sidelines. You know, there's a bill in Quebec that the government has chosen not to oppose that says you're not allowed to wear a turban or a hijab and be a government worker. I believe that the Conservative Party really wants to show that they'll fight for every Canadian. They'll say very clearly That no one will ever lose their job in this country based on their faith. I want to see a conservative party that stands up for equality. And, you know, I think of great moments in conservative party history. I think of John Diefenbaker um, writing the Bill of Rights. I, I think of Brian Rooney fighting apartheid in South Africa. I think a conservative party at its best understands that we fight for equality.
0: Patrick Brown is our guest. He's the mayor of Branton. He is running to be the Conservative Party of uh, Canada leader, um, and he joins us on Toronto Today. There's two things that seem eminently obvious about one of your rivals, Pierre Polyev. One, Polyev is connecting with people within the party. What the second part is, is probably the distinction you'd make, is... That is not a guarantee. That is not a a rubber stamp to get him to connect with the, the average voter. And the voters you need not to vote liberal and not to vote NDP and not even in Quebec to vote for the Bloc. Am I right about both these things? Clearly, he's connecting with party members. That's a big difference from being able to win a general election.
2: Yeah, and you know, he he is um, uh, a very credible um, opponent in the in this race. But I believe he is catering uh, to. Conspiracy, conspiracy theories on the internet and, and trying to put out policy that he believes will garner memberships, but I think it would be a gift to the Liberal Party in the next election. Let me give you an example. He's been trying to sell memberships on um, on cryptocurrency, saying that uh, you can use cryptocurrency um, to opt out of inflation. And he he recommended to Canadians to invest in it. The problem is, since he made that recommendation, it's lost 40% of its value. The government of El Salvador, which did the same thing, is on the verge of bankruptcy for for doing so. And if we had actually taken his advice, you know, grandparents and parents would have lost their life savings. And so that may be a popular issue with a niche segment of Canadians, uh, but the Conservative Party has always been the party that's had very credible economic plans. And so when you make statements and promises during a leadership campaign, um, you have to be mindful of the fact that. Um, the Liberal Party um, will make you own every commitment and every promise you've made. Um, and, and one like that, I think, would be very damaging in the next election.
0: Patrick Brown is our guest. Um, you would probably agree with Polyev on a lot of issues about uh, Justin Trudeau, where, where I think you you make the distinction is looking at and and saying that, you know, simply put, he's got to be able to have the horses to to run in Ontario. He's got to be able to grab these seats. And you'd make the case that he can't connect like like you can or other can. He's coming after you pretty fiercely as well. Why do you think he's doing that?
2: Well, I think one of the reasons that he's um, sort of taking a scorched earth approach to his his rivals, particularly myself and Jean Charest, is is that he's not as confident as um, he suggests he is. Um, you, you know, you, you don't take that type of approach to your adversaries uh, unless you're worried about your ability to to win this. And I I believe he's got a very committed segment of the party that that's that supports him um but he's worried that that it's not going to get him past 50 percent and so i think that's why he's using sort of the u.s um attack uh, style of 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 politics um and and frankly at the end of the day we got to bring this party together um you know it's going to be a challenge when you have such vitriol in a in a leadership race
0: what lessons can the federal conservatives learn from ontario's progressive conservatives and and that's that's the absence of the word progressive too isn't it is you watched the election results you were ahead in the polls in 2018 i've said to you before and you've probably been able to to recognize you're almost certainly the premier if you remain uh you know the the party leader in june of 2018 when you watch another blowout election result for the ontario pcs what could what could be learned at the federal level to win elections
2: well it makes me think of bill davis and bill davis was um an inclusive conservative and it goes to show you know an extreme version of conservatism um is only going to help the the liberal parties so you know i look at bill davis he worked with labor organizations he tried to bring a, you know every resident of ontario together um, i'm proud on this leadership campaign to have support of different labor organizations that have been helping me um, sell sell memberships you know there are doug ford has shown us that you don't need to um be adversarial with everyone and this this leadership in this provincial election you know he won the support of a significant number of private mm-hmm. sector trade unions and that was you know part of, uh, of his electoral success you know i'd also say you know when i look at when I look at COVID-19, um, Doug Ford never attacked um, vaccines. And, and maybe, if anything, he was um, a little too um, restrictive on, on on some of the closures. But, you know, he was very much, um, he wasn't on the extreme of the COVID debate. And so when I hear Pierre Poliev say that he's going to ban all vaccine mandates, including those for measles and polio, you know, you, you have to scratch your head and wonder, you know, what is the general public going to think of that? Because, you know, yes, I, I, don't, I don't agree with lockdowns, but I also understand there's a role for science to, to play in protecting public health.
0: When you, I was going to ask you how COVID has changed your politics, but that gets to how COVID, you and I have had many, many discussions about it uh, over the span of the last two years. And some people say, they listen to my show and they say, wait, wait, didn't you used to be for mandates? I'm like, last fall, we had a different story. We had a Delta variant. We had to get people their second shots at minimum. We're trying to open schools. We're trying to open businesses. We have a less severe variant now. And, and hopefully that remains the case. But Um, Would you say the same that you're, you know, at one point you understood mandates, you understood the need for kids playing sports, for you and I to go play rec sports or whatever, go to the gym or go to a restaurant. But now now the the, like the conversations moved a little bit over the last 12, 14 months.
2: You know, I just want um, our political leadership to be reasonable and so and follow the science and follow the the data. And when COVID first came out, there were serious concerns about hospital capacity. Mm -hmm. The first Variant was twenty times more severe um, than the common flu. But where we're at today is a variant that is two times more severe. You don't shut down society for that. And so, you know when I saw decisions in Canada where kids were not going to school um, or the outdoor recreation was being closed from I had to speak out against it because I believe it was not consistent with the science and and data. having said it having said that at the same time, I got vaccinated and I I got boosted because I wanted to um, use the science available to protect myself and my family. And so I think there's a reasonableness in the middle of of this debate. And I think part of the problem during COVID is that um, you had people take extremes on either side. And and an example of that uh, was... You look at the hospital data. When the government was trying to spin hospital data that wasn't accurate, just treat people with honesty. Tell, be absolutely transparent, and then I think you can buy goodwill and and buy in for your decisions. But when when people are trying to spin you um, to to push an outcome that they want, that's when I think you get uh, pushback.
0: If you're Prime Minister Patrick, what do you want to do differently? How do you want to be perceived differently? than the current prime minister. What did, When you talk to voters, what do they say Justin Trudeau doesn't do that you want to make sure that they don't say about Patrick Brown?
2: Well, that could be a long list, but uh, I'll let <laughs> me start off with a few. Listen. It's a financial. It's financial chaos in Ottawa. What one point three billion dollars in debt we've? One point three trillion. Sorry, we we pay two billion dollars a month in interest payments. When a baby is born, the reason they're crying at the hospital is they find out they owe thirty one thousand um, dollars. We need to fix our finances. When you have interest, the interest payments growing every month in terms of the segment of your of your budget that goes towards that, you're going to suffocate your capacity to support anything else in the country. The first thing we need to do in ottawa is to clean up the finances right now justin trudeau treats the government finances as a printing press and that's not good for for any canadian
0: patrick brown is our guest on toronto today it's great to have you on the show i wish you well the rest of the uh the late spring early summer and uh you're always welcome for more conversations on this i know what an important time this is uh and how ambitious you are about this job and and why you're uh why you're running for it thanks very much for making the time for us today
2: All the best. And thank you for having me on.
0: You got it. Patrick Brown is uh, a Conservative Party of Canada uh, leadership candidate and currently the mayor of Brampton. Want to talk about Justin Bieber? Last week at this time, Toronto's anticipating two sold-out shows at Scotiabank Arena. Hometown kid. I know. Stratford, close enough. Hometown kid. Nearest major city. And we we call Justin Bieber one of our own. And I said this last week when he was starting to feel sick about uh, the Detroit show. He played Little Caesars Arena in Detroit on the Sunday But we played this Tuesday morning when it was announced the Toronto shows got canceled, and we've got uh, a guest I really want to spend as much time with, but I want to reset some of what's happened here very quickly. Here's Justin Bieber recording an Instagram post prior to the Detroit show where he said things are starting to wear on him a little bit.
2: So I've been uh, feeling like crap all day. I've been like, my throat has been killing me. Um, Don't have any... Anything I got tested for everything, so you guys are good i'm'm not, I'm not <laughs> spreading, anything. but um, you know that feeling where you 're just like overwhelmed you 're like, man, like i god I feel like you're you're telling me to do this to do these shows, and that now i 'm getting sick, and i 'm like really frustrated with you <laughs> because i'm like you're not giving me what I need it 's just frustrating, and I know that we all have those moments and, and those are that 's just kind of where i 'm at today, but uh, I've just been pressing in and, and just knowing that, uh, you know, he's with us and he's close to us and he loves us. And and that, that
3: encourages me.
0: OK, so that's prior to the Detroit show. That's the last concert he does. He can't do the Toronto shows because he's sick. I said this. He's been doing what he's been doing for 11 years as a solo artist. When you start young, like a like a Bieber or a Taylor Swift, you don't have, uh, you know, the reliance of a band like like Sting has the police, the first whatever um nine years of his career Bono's had the rest of you two for 40 years like there's that there's that sort of fortitude that you have but when you're a young young guy young male young female carrying an entire organization not easy well as it turns out Bieber wasn't just sick wasn't just a sore throat um, not just feeling a little lousy for a couple of days he has Ramsey Hunt syndrome and we'll tell you what that is but let's let him describe it first this
2: syndrome called uh ramsey hunt syndrome and it is from this virus that um attacks the nerve in my ear and my facial nerves and has caused my face to have paralysis as you can see this eye is not blinking i can't smile on this side of my face
0: this is, a, this is a rare neurological disorder. This is going to take some time to recover. And uh, we noticed that uh, Dr. Claire Craig in London, in, uh, in the UK, was tweeting about it. She's a, she's a diagnostic pathologist and is kind enough to join us here in Toronto. Dr. Craig, thank you very much for making the time. I uh, discovered you a couple of weeks ago on Twitter. Uh, I really appreciate you coming on and spending time with our audience.
3: Thanks very much for
0: having me, Greg. A- absolutely. Now, this um, this is tricky, right? Because there there have been vaccine related injuries, of course, that there have um, some people are hesitant. I was hesitant to boost my teenagers and have not. Some people are are I, I maybe putting the cart before the horse. When I look at what most people are saying they're saying ramsey hunt syndrome pretty similar to shingles and some people as young as justin Bieber don't get don't get vaccinated for shingles where do you stand on that
3: right so um first of all ramsey hunt syndrome is caused by shingles so shingles you need to have mm-hmm. to have ramsey hunt syndrome um, i think maybe what they were saying is it's similar to bell's palsy which has also been seen post vaccination and um the situation is that for an individual You can't ever prove beyond reasonable doubt that it wasn't a coincidence, but you can look at it on the balance of probabilities. And what we know about these conditions is that they have been more common after the vaccine. Now, the reporting systems that all the countries have where the doctors say, like, I'm worried this wasn't a coincidence. They just give you a warning signal. There's no way of measuring how bad it is, but the Israelis have measured it properly. So, after the booster doses, the Israelis followed up 2,000 people three or four weeks later with a phone call and found out how they had done. So, that's what's called active surveillance, where you're actually trying to measure mm-hmm. how high the risks are. And from that survey, um, they found really high rates of both Bell's palsy, which is facial paralysis that's different to slightly, slightly different to Ramsey Hunt, and also of shingles itself. To the extent that Using that Israeli data, you would anticipate there having been 133,000 extra shingles cases in the US because of the booster dose, which would equate equate to about 13,000 in Canada. So one in 680 people who had the booster got shingles afterwards. Now, shingles you can have, even when you're young, you can have it, but it's much more common when you're old. So it's about 10 times more common in your 80s than in your 20s. So his background risk for this was really very, very low. And there is clearly an association with the vaccine. So what it comes down to then is when he was vaccinated, which is obviously his private medical information. It's none Mm -hmm. of my business. Mm -hmm. Um, But there is a mechanism here. We can understand why this might happen, because we know that these um, molecules, these vaccines, as they're called, um, they interfere with the types of cells that keep viruses in check. So shingles um, is actually caused by the chickenpox virus. So you have to have had chickenpox as a child to be at risk of shingles. And what happens is that having had chickenpox, you never completely get rid of it. It hides away in your nervous system, but essentially your immune system just keeps it in check. But if when you're older or if you have some other hit on your immune system, it can recur, and when it recurs, it often comes as a band across the skin, which is why it's called shingles. It's a Latin right. word for belt. So, d- but in this case, it occurs in the ear and around that nerve.
0: So, Doctor Craig, for someone like me, in my uh, born in the seventies, I got chickenpox when I was nine years old. Missed two weeks of school. You break out. You've got the scabs and everything. Justin Bieber, born in the mid nineties, probably with a chickenpox vaccine, was less likely potentially and and people of that generation were less likely to get it so there's two things there right from what you said one you're way less likely at at 28 to get shingles than you are in your 50s or 60s both my parents had it um but but the the chicken po- the varicella chickenpox distinction is um if, if it was just a vaccine for it and he didn't actually go through it then there's more susceptibility
3: so he must have had chickenpox yeah. So even if he was vaccinated, the vaccine may not was you know I don't know if he was vaccinated, but it's not one hundred percent. But he must have had chickenpox to have the virus on board to be susceptible to shingles in one part of the body, because it's not the same as having a first chickenpox infection where it would affect you, your skin all over. It's very localized, and that's what makes it distinctive as shingles, not chickenpox.
0: So we simply put, there are more Bell's palsy cases in uh, we assume like why would israel be dramatically different than where you are in the uk or where i am in canada or the united states we have more bell's palsy cases than we would normally and and we can attribute some of that to the booster dose and some
3: of the effects so i mean there has been a, a very unusual and odd lack of reporting of um the kind of the total incidence of these these situations. So, you know, we've had brilliant health databases these Mm -hmm. days, everything's linked up, you can measure things on scale and show how things change over time. And it's kind of odd how people haven't reported on the change of these conditions over time. It's just suspicious to me that they're not writing about it. But where people have in their locality managed to do measurements, then they're showing a much higher incidence. So again, in Israel, in a clinic, rheumatology clinic, they showed that the incidence um, in the um, people who had attended that clinic was 50 times higher than the background rate of shingles. And the thing that I was trying to get to is what what Pfizer actually reported in their safety analysis, um, they they reported the safety checks they had done on a choice of molecules when they were picking which one was going to be best. Mm -hmm. And one of these molecules um, really hammered the lymphocytes, which are these cells that keep viruses in check, and was rejected on that basis. But the other molecule, which was the most similar to that one, is the one that they picked. And actually, in their own paper, they show that the lymphocyte counts drop through the floor in the first few days after the vaccine. Mm. They're back to normal after Uh, a week, but we don't know quite how low they went in the interim because they only took one measurement in that time. uh, uh,
0: Yeah, Dr. Claire Craig is our guest on Toronto Today. I got 90 seconds here, but I want you to go as deep as you can with those 90 seconds. Do you worry about Justin Bieber's ability to quickly uh, recover from this at age 28. This isn't this isn't somebody, uh, Dr. Craig, that is a taxi driver or an accountant. He is his job is labor intensive, entertain on stage, use your face, use your mouth for two hours, two and a half hours at a time. And this is going to take some time before he's 100 percent again, isn't it? If at all.
3: Uh, absolutely. Yes. And it, and it doesn't, it can affect the hearing. It can cause tinnitus. It can even affect the vocal cords. It can last for months. And even after six months, there can be, um, um, symptoms that carry on longer, including pain, eye problems, hearing problems. And you can end up crying when you eat, you can end up moving your mouth when you're trying to move your eye. It's a horrible condition. I really feel for him.
0: Wow. Uh, I hope we can follow up. I, I'm tight for time. I wish I had four or five more minutes, Dr. Craig, but thank you very much for making the time for us on a, on a busy Monday for you. And I hope we get to connect again to talk more about things like this and, and have these uh, honest conversations. That's, that's what I want to do. And, and thank you for making the time with me to do that.
3: Oh, well, thanks for having me on. I'd love to come back.
0: Dr. Claire Craig is a diagnostic pathologist in uh, London in the United Kingdom. We've got our uh, four for four quiz I mentioned uh, earlier. That I went to the movies on Saturday night and uh, saw Jurassic World Dominion. Who's gonna go see that? Sheba? Hundred percent. Hundred percent.
4: Yeah, counting down. I can't wait. Although it's not getting very good reviews. I think I read a bad review somewhere.
0: It's getting crushed. It's thirty percent on Rotten Tomatoes.
4: Oh. No, I mean thirty percent.
0: It's important to note Toronto today on Rotten Tomatoes is forty-two percent. (laughs) So that's not you know, the goal is fifty. (laughs) Have half the people listening like the show, but that's three out of ten people. That's 7 out of 10 people that don't like Jurassic World Dominion. Uh, Gord, will you go? Or will you wait? Is that a rental, as they yeah. say?
1: Yeah, it's, you know, I want to go see Top Gun. i got to see that in the theater. I haven't either yet. Yeah. I know, you man. guys get out there. I go don't the, know what we're doing. The movable seat. I want to go and uh, feel the whole experience. <laughs> the like, 4D. The, <laughs> the,
0: the spittle from the uh, the rain when you're touching the, the clouds in
1: the sky. I want Tom Cruise's hair sweat uh, bouncing <laughs> off my face. That's how close <laughs> That's I want right. to be to the action. That's not real hair or real <laughs> you sweat. You and me both, Gord. You point. and me both. <laughs> looks good for age
0: 60. I'm sure there's no CGI uh, no. or collagen involved. Uh, Dave, will you go see Jurassic World Dominion? I might actually. I might bring the uh, the kids. My son's really into Jurassic Park right about now. So uh, oh, you're in. The, I I love the dinosaur era. I think yeah. everyone who has a son goes through it. It's amazing how timeless that is. Oh, totally it is. Well, so I don't think we were. I I was definitely into dinosaurs yeah, I, when I was a kid. Absolutely. I, I feel like I was a little bit, but we didn't have movies like this. Like, no, no, we didn't. No, we didn't. No. no, Land of the Lost was a Saturday morning cartoon show. Yeah. yeah. And then they really made a bad movie later on with uh, with Will Ferrell. Oh, anyway. Yeah. Our quiz is all about the Jurassic Park films. In case you're uh, going, it finally knocked, knocked uh, Top Gun: Maverick off the uh, box office charts. That's where we start by me asking yous only. Thank you for that.
1: There you go. Awesome. <laughs> you're the best. Sets the mood.
0: Only one. You're. You have like a 98 on Rotten Tomatoes for uh, for music. Bands. But one of those people actually threw Rotten Tomato at me. That's true too. It's uh, Yeah. Sometimes we come in after a weekend and we're like, "Does someone throwing Rotten Tomatoes yeah. in the in the studio?" Um only one Jurassic Park film uh y'all is the all-time topped t- is in the all-time top 10 for box office gross. Is that true or is that false? Just the one Jurassic movie is in the top 10. Let's start with Shiba. False. Gord? Ooh.
1: Yeah, I think false as well.
0: Dave. Now I'm going to say more than one for sure, so I'm going to say false. No, it's just, just- Jurassic World oh. at number 7. Really?
1: World. Wow. It
0: made one billion six hundred seventy-one million dollars. Huh. Um, top five are Avatar, still Avengers: Endgame, Titanic, Star Wars: Episode 7. Avengers: Infinity War, and then there's Jurassic World's just ahead of The Lion King. Ah. Oh. At one point six billion. The original? The one with I'm Elton John? Really no. Su- is, is it? I'm really surprised at that. Because
1: they made a live action one, right? They did. Yeah. Oh, okay. So it is the live action yeah. one. You're yeah. right. It's
0: not. The- <laughs> It's also very good, by the way. It's not the cartoon. It is very good. Yeah. Yeah. yeah with all those animals. That's the best way I can describe it. What a great review. <laughs> is that all the one animals. with the animals? Yeah. That's the yeah. Lion King. Idiot. <laughs> the height of the velociraptors in the original Jurassic Park were exaggerated for effect. Now, that part's true. But I'm asking uh, if the actual height of a velociraptor is 1.6 feet tall, 2 feet tall, or 3 feet tall. Gord? two, or three? Let's go two. Dave? I think it's three. Sheba? I'm going with
4: 1.6.
0: You nailed it. It's Uh 1.6. Come on. Cause they get they get into that kitchen area and they're banging the dishes around, chasing the two but little kids. Wait, wait a second, they're only a foot high. A foot, a foot six. You can stop. Like, you yes. Can, you just need high tops, like like high no, top sneakers. Not with and those like, teeth. Those they, yeah, teeth. but uh, they would bite you. It'd be a
1: minor inconvenience. Though. Yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like like I'd rather deal with that. You know my hatred of possums. I'd rather deal with a velociraptor yeah. in my backyard in the garden than a possum. And, and I can't the, clear that thing out of the, here. The big toe hook, the, the toenail you. thing. Yeah. That's not
1: going to hang around your neck. You're no. going to lose it. So you could stop them with a the rolled up newspaper. You're pretty no. much good. No.
0: By the way, sometimes my son lets his toenails grow, and I'm like, you, you've got like toenails <laughs> like a Veloso wrapped up. You got to start <laughs> ripping, on top of this.
1: Start ripping the bed sheets for goodness. sake. I stuff.
0: guess I'm one of the two parents. I could kind of orchestrate that. The Jurassic Park original, the original movie from 1993, is the only Jurassic Park film nominated ever. For Best Picture, is that true or is that false, Dave? I'm gonna say that's true. Sheba, I think that's true as well. Gord, I'm gonna go false. Well, it's Gord's right. None no. of the films have ever been nominated really for Best Picture. Oh, okay. that's it. What would you take out of this? Jurassic Park came out the same year. Um, oh, that's not the right year. Um,
1: Ninety-three, wasn't it?
0: Yeah. So, what, Schindler's List, The Fugitive, In the Name of the Father, The Piano. Nobody saw that a second time. And the remains of the day.
4: The piano is amazing.
0: It's pretty good. Mm. The original Jurassic Park holds up though. It does. I, yes, I, I watched it, it not does. too long ago and I'm like, man, this is still a good movie. The sequels are tough. The sequels, it really the, is. Yeah, the two sequels are they're like, you know, I can imagine they were probably faxing Jeff Goldblum. They were, they couldn't email him or text <laughs> him. They're like, Come on, one more time. Let's get the band back together. And finally, Chris Pratt has made the exact same salary for all three of his Jurassic movies. He signed a three movie deal. Hmm. Sheba?
4: I think that's true.
0: Gord? yeah, I think that's true as well. Oh, Dave, no way, Jose. <laughs> <laughs> Dave Bradley, uh, familiar no. with the concept of leverage. That's right. Uh, Don't <laughs> sign your life away until they see how big the first movie is. He went from uh, five million on the first film. He made eighteen for this last one. Oh that's, wow! Yeah. That's catching. You know who he's married to, right? That is. You guys
4: um, know who his wife is. <sighs>
0: Schwarzenegger's daughter
4: yes Arnold Schwarzenegger is his father-in-law yeah
0: really I interviewed yes. him when, so you remember he was in Moneyball right he's in Moneyball that's a sports Chris, movie Gord yeah. don't look at me like you've Chris never Pratt? heard of it Chris uh,
1: Pratt I was thinking was Arnold in that no no no, <laughs> no was not Brad Pitt
0: <laughs> yeah Brad Pitt's the, the general yes. manager but Chris Pratt is in the movie and yes, at is. that point uh, when I interviewed him he was married to Anna Faris yes you guys remember her? And oh then yes. yeah. They yes. divorced. They divorced, and he uh, ended up marrying yeah Arnold Schwarzenegger's daughter, which is an interesting father-in-law. Mm-hmm. they have, it's true. Yeah. Is he still no biking kid. around Toronto? Like Maurice Driver, is, is.
4: his movie is still being filmed. Oh. When I was uh, tracking down our running room guest, the marathon winner, <laughs> yeah, the, the whole street was shut down because they were filming Arnold Schwarzenegger's his movie. People, he wasn't there that day, but they were filming the movie.
0: I wonder if people are still seeing him, like because they were taking pictures of him at like intersections on that. He had like this huge bike, and he was just riding it around, uh, riding it around Toronto. So I don't know. He if he's should still be doing the active
4: TO ambassador, right there. That's there true. Go.
0: Yeah, yeah. He's not upset about uh, getting into uh, uh, Blue Jays games on a regular basis. By the way, Steven Spielberg has made three point seven billion dollars oh, um, by investing in Jurassic Park with the Michael Crichton novel. That guy knows a winner. Yes, he's he sure uh, when he uh, <laughs> when he sees one. Saw Mark Shapiro comment on Friday, the, the Jays president, about what should transpire with active TO. He doesn't like the idea of it. Says. Uh, customers if you and their customers now by the way the customer isn't always right I've heard that philosophy before they're not always right Um, but nonetheless you can play it that way if you like but generally speaking your business will go up in flames if the customer is always right sometimes they are right sometimes that's the case Mark Shapiro is hearing from customers saying is really tough to come in for ball games. Really tough to come in, especially on a Thursday and Friday. We have got construction all over the place. We got gridlock. People are getting back at it. John Tory weighed in on active TO. Didn't really address the Blue Jays factor with Mark Shapiro, but did say active TO has clearly affected traffic patterns.
1: Like it was for a different reason, which was that people couldn't go many other places. They needed a place to go outdoors safely and have lots of space. But we, we, you know, we like the idea that some of our streets and public realm facilities these could be used by people on an ongoing basis and so we've continued with the program but very much uh, in a way to sort of examine
0: the results and so i have the traffic data there is no question that it had an, a bigger adverse impact
2: on traffic uh, over that time
0: love talking to our next guest uh, he ran as a federal ndp candidate in spadina fort york and he's also a trustee with the toronto catholic district school board he is norm De Pasquale. norm i always enjoy our conversations i hope your uh, june is going great thanks for making the time to come on
1: it's it's always my pleasure to be on here too, Greg. Uh, so much respect for your thoughts on these things.
0: Oh, thanks so much. So yes, let's. Yeah. Why, why don't we get to, or, I think the Orioles are in town tonight. I'll drive my car, uh, you ride your bike and we'll see who gets there first. I got a lot further to drive coming out from Ajax. Come <laughs> on.
1: Let's have a race. I know when you get down to Fort York Boulevard, um, I'm going to beat you on a bicycle.
0: And I know it's more expensive (laughs) for me to park uh, than it will be for you. But but in all seriousness, Mark Shapiro's comments didn't didn't rub you the right way. What what were your biggest issues with what the Blue Jays president said?
1: Honestly, I'm just really disappointed. Like we're talking about downtown families that are, are really struggling to find space to do active transportation. I mean, these past two years have been obviously very difficult on downtown families, kind of mental and physical health. This gives an opportunity for, let's say 40,000 people per active TO day to get out there and get active with their families encourage active transportation and you know to hear like you know basically the head of an athletic organization stand up against active TO is extremely disappointing and you know just thinking about the history of, of the Roger Centre and the fact that it was built where it was built so that people could use trains uh, all methods of public transit to get there um, it, it's just really frustrating and as a fan and somebody who lives downtown not far from the Sky Dome to, to hear him essentially stand against us. <laughs> I thought we were on the same team.
0: Now, how many, let's say we got a th- crowd of 30,000 tonight. I said it earlier and this is just me anecdotally, I'm guessing a quarter of those fans are driving in or or getting there um, by virtue of a car. so that's 7500 out of 30,000. Do you do you think I'm high for that? Like I'd love to I, w- I bet you both you and I would love to see a study of the, the geographical makeup of who attends a Blue Jays game on a, on a daily or nightly basis. But I'm guessing it's 25%. Do you think I'm right?
1: I, I think that number is probably close. Like I would have loved to see some statistics in his letter. I would have loved to see Mr. Shapiro, you know advocate for a study you know, we could use more frequent public transportation around the Blue Jays games to, to help fans and we could communicate ActiveTeal better. and And those would have been things that he could have advocated for that we could all get behind.
0: So I think he's and and he's looking specifically Shapiro is at at Lakeshore Boulevard and the mayor did mention over the weekend he does get complaints from residents. He picks up the phone or gets an email about it and they say we, we can't get in and out of our neighborhoods easily during the road closures. And I know we think we think weekends are like dial it down, breathe it out. But some people do work on the weekend or they got an occasion to get to. And you and I know that we're a city that's it's never going to be a perfect city. But road closures right now are on a lot of people's minds and and tori documents that clearly in this area lakeshore west it's it's something that's getting a little more attention than the other areas are
1: yeah and you know i did drive up to see my family in coburg a couple weekends back while ride for heart was on and instead of taking an hour and 10 minutes it took about two hours right but i was you know i I planned for it i was aware you know um so it it just it's planning it's communication if you make people aware people can plan. And people can figure out alternate routes or leave earlier or stay later. (laughs) There's lots of things you can do if you're given the right information about what your trip's going to look like.
0: I just wonder for out-of-towners. So I'm I'm a kid that grew up in London, Ontario. So when we'd go to a ball game, right, you drive to Detroit or drive to Toronto. I don't know how aware, and and that's a pre-internet era, but I don't know how aware somebody coming in from Woodstock is or from Guelph is about active TO and when it's on and when it's not on. I'm even far enough away. I couldn't tell you. I don't run into lanes being closed or roads being closed because of biking. I understand in the summer, right, construction season, there's chari- there's great charity events. I understand why some roadways aren't open. But I wonder if Shapiro is referencing that not everybody that goes to a Blue Jays game lives within the 416.
1: 100% and this is a failure of communication. So, mm-hmm. you know, uh, the Blue Jays could communicate better to their fans. Um Toronto could communicate much more widespread like we we do have to think that yes, we are We are a city, but we do affect all of the GTA residents. So we should communicate much wider when there's situations like Caravana, marathons that are closing down Lakeshore. Uh, You know, it's a failure to me of communication and also not having more frequent train service and, and, and public transit service while there there are things like Blue Jays games going on.
0: Yeah, like we, we heard from somebody listening in Ottawa, and they made the case like we make it a weekend. if We're coming to a Blue Jays game or any other sporting event or a concert even. They're coming in for the weekend, so they can't be expected to take public transit. So again, that's that's another scenario where there's a car. But you and I, if, if we're BMO Field gets that same kind of traffic. My, when there's a big mm. event at Bud Stage, it is impossible to get to make that left turn coming from the east and get across Lakeshore and get into that parking lot by Ontario Place. But uh, but you and I are city people and we know that that'll be the case. It's harder for someone coming from out of town I suppose. I don't want to play them like they're country bumpkins, but it's harder for them to understand the the sort of kinetic nature of traffic in Toronto. Like we get it.
1: and you know this is where the Blue Jays could communicate to all of their fans like they have a mailing list they have season Mm -hmm. ticket holders Um, you know they can communicate what is coming up this weekend so that their fans can prepare accordingly Um, so I I feel like this is still a failure of communication first and foremost and and I would love to see more Mm -hmm. data more facts um, you know and even people who are taking public transit which I noticed in the letter You know, there are there are ways to get at the Skydome through public transit that aren't going to get you sort of snarled in in, in traffic somewhere in the city. Hey, uh, you know, just communicating. I
0: I know that you ran uh, you ran federally for the NDP. I wondered if you had a thought on their provincial result and how interesting that party will be going forward. You obviously learned a lot about the inner workings of it. I thought you ran a great ethical campaign. Um, And I, I wonder if you wonder where. Where it all goes. What did you think of? uh, I I didn't consider it a bad result going 40 to 31 seats because, I mean, they're still the opposition party. Uh, The liberals are nowhere to be found. Not even they gained one seat after four years. What did you think of the result, Norm?
1: Well, I, I breathe a huge sigh of relief, first of all, because I have four MPPs that I work with in my four uh, wards as trustee, and, and they all got reelected. So a major sign of relief there. Mm-hmm. I, I love them, and I'm so glad they're back. Um, you know, people people for sure are, are are frustrated. You know, they spent two years in COVID. Um, you know, they're thinking about kind of getting back to regular life and not necessarily thinking about voting. I mean, I, I knocked on a door during uh, the get out the vote day of. And uh, the person who answered the door said, "Yeah, I'll I'll vote. I, uh, the election's next week, right?" And I'm like, "No, it's today." <laughs> um, people's <laughs> people's minds just weren't weren't on the election. Bottom line. <laughs>
0: uh, and did you offer to drive them? Uh, I, I, well, we can't. Uh, did you offer to uh, rent them a bike and ride them down to the? <laughs> uh... <laughs>
1: I was about to get my tandem bike for that guy. I That's sure what was. you do.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It could be like those <laughs> Shriners with the little sidecars. I think you could pedal and, and they could just sit and uh, and ride. Hey, we love having you on our show. We need to do it more frequently. And, I, and you and I got a boatload of education issues for uh, for the mm. summer going into next fall. I'd love to unpack with you uh, about not just Catholic school board, but I know how passionate you are about uh, public education, uh, private, ed- mm. uh, and I am too. So let's talk more uh, more frequently in the summer about those issues, Norm.
1: Thanks, Greg. I really look forward to that. You bet, Have man. a great day.
0: Thank you very much, Norm D Pasquale. In this chair tomorrow uh, will be Rubina Ahmed Hawk. You know her. You love her. Um, I'm making assumptions, but I would too. Um, and she'll be in tomorrow, Wednesday and Thursday uh, on the show. Some of this is also uh, based on um, that. I just I, I can't even walk uh, based on my meal last night. I may be the first uh, member of the Toronto Today team uh, to head back to the buffet but mandarin restaurant was open last night by the way i tried to go there about three months ago and i i thought it was open this is when restaurants were open they're like no we're only doing takeout but i went last night and uh shiba sadiki i i took it easy it's it's like riding a bike you never forget you you know you don't eat a lot ahead of time you you drink water you don't mix with alcohol like a big frothy beer one of gordon's guinnesses would be a huge mistake if you're headed to the buffet uh, table a couple times, I loved every second of it. It was great to be back. My kids love it, too. My God, do they love it.
4: So it's the exact same as it was before. Nothing's changed.
0: Didn't notice any difference. Every employee's wearing a mask. That's up to them. That's up to them, I guess. I don't want that forced on them by Mandarin administration. Um, but Um
4: I'm not ready for the buffet yet.
0: Why? Why would it be any different than going to Kelsey's or Applebee's or any other fine I, place we'd like to get gift cards sent to us from?
4: It's psychological, and I feel like, I don't know. Before, I wouldn't mind if someone sneezed all over the, the chicken fried <laughs> rice.
0: No one sneezing. A, there was a baby coughing at another table, and babies <laughs> cough. Like, I, I'm not picking up my... My Baby plate of COVID. I'm not picking up my plate of uh, of chicken balls, uh, fried rice, and uh, and beef and mushroom, and running out of the room because the baby's coughing.
4: That being said, I did go to a Mother's Day buffet when I was in uh, the Bahamas. Ah. We were there for Mother's Day, and it was huge. It was, and I was, and there were there were no masks on anybody anywhere, no matter if you worked there or not. So in that way, it did cross my mind. But for some reason, look, I'm so programmed that in Ontario, if I go do anything, I'm going to get COVID. So
0: for some no, reason, but I'm it, like, why would the like how how come how can we buffet buffet? whatever it is, what's whatever <laughs> the verb is, Gord, is buffet a verb? I know it's a um, Jimmy Buffett. No, yeah, but that's yeah. not it's what I'm thinking. Buffet. <laughs> how can it's what, you buffet as a verb in Bahamas and be cool They law with it know, and then come back saying. here and not do it?
4: I'm saying I'm programmed that in Ontario, anything I do, I'm going to get COVID. I'm going to go for a walk. I'm going to get COVID. Nah,
0: you're not. You're not. You're not. You're not. And uh, no, nothing was really, uh, I, didn't, I didn't notice any different. But again, if we're talking a virus that you're, you gather from, you know, uh, fomites and, and desks and, and tabletops and whatnot, then I'm, then I'm more worried about what people are doing uh, around the food. Plus, anybody that's worked in the food industry knows like, I don't even want to recap my time as, like, waiting tables and watching, like, no, like a cook tell us. cough. and No, don't tell us. And where any I saw, that. you know, mice jumping out of nacho containers and stuff oh, like that. Oh, God. That never happened, but it but it could have.
4: But it was good. Like, you enjoyed I it. I loved every second great. of it.
0: And I took it easy. Like, my wife and I, she doesn't like going. Like, nobody likes that bloated feel. Why would you bloat yourself up if you don't want to? And kids, can, kids, kids are just um uh, unmatchable eaters they're going to eat more than we are and they did that last night a 16 year old and a 14 year old they're they're like horses or large dogs that look like horses (laughs) like we can't keep up with them the the the, the my
4: older two boys would love you got to take come on
0: we need we need a mandarin experience and we need to we need to know about it because we want to be there we should all go together as a show
4: yeah, I'm in. Actually, I think I'm ready. Now that I've heard you walk me through it, it's exactly like before. But I will be thinking about who's coughing where. That I will That will be in the back of my mind. That will probably be the back of my mind forever.
0: My biggest takeaway last night was watching, there's no, like, what are the odds she's listening? I watched a family, and I think I saw a 15-year-old boy, maybe a 14, 15-year-old boy, and he started throwing either, like, little peas or little bits of food at his mom, a person I believed to be his mom. And the dad's sitting like I was annoyed by him, and I'm not at that table. And the dad is just sort of whoever the per, the male uh, protagonist is is sitting there watching this. And I'm like, what are you do-? like? Is maybe it was a first date, and he's applying to be the kid's stepdad, um, on LinkedIn or something. I I like I'm like, what are you doing? Discipline this this monster. He's throwing food at it. She got ticked off, and she threw a napkin at him at a certain point in time.
4: Oh, so she. What kind of behavior doing the same is this? Thing our, to each
0: other. Our, no. our our table, all of us, were obsessed by this, and we're like, "Thank God, sure, your kids don't act fi- this way."
4: Yeah, but if the kid is fifteen, it didn't just start yesterday.
0: Uh, right? No, exactly. Exactly. So that's been going on for a while. It does. Um, you and I listened to, uh, and we'll put this on uh, on our podcast. We had on. Um, a really interesting conversation with uh, Dr. Claire, Dr. Claire Craig, who's a diagnostic pathologist. She weighed in. If you missed it over the weekend, Justin Bieber announced that he's suffering from Ramsey hunt syndrome. It has some compare and contrast with Bell's palsy. And I'm reading that Ramsey hunts actually a more difficult condition slash disease to recover from. Uh, This is what uh, uh, our doctor had to say about Bieber's condition.
3: From that survey, um, they found really high rates of both Bell's palsy, which is facial paralysis that's different to slightly slightly different Ramsey Hunt, and also of shingles itself. To the extent that, using that Israeli data, you would anticipate there having been 133,000 extra shingles cases in the US because of the booster dose, which would equate, equate to about 13,000 in Canada.
0: Okay, she's noticing an Israeli study that documents many more shingles cases. Here's what we'd say, and she said this too, and we made this point also. We don't even know Justin Bieber's vaccination status. We don't know a thing about it. We don't know whether he's had the chickenpox vaccine, whether he's had uh, a varicella vaccine. But Ramsey-Hunt syndrome is caused, this is what most medical people agree on, is that it's caused by um, a varicella virus, which causes chickenpox in kids and shingles in adults. And uh, and. It, bottom lining it, the, uh, the TLDR, as they say, is this isn't going to be a quick fix uh, for Justin Bieber. It's a neurological disorder. When I watched the video, I, I won't lie. I was a little rattled that a 28-year-old is, has a lot of his facial nerve paralyzed right now. His eye, his, his nostril, the side of his cheek, he can only smile out of one side of his mouth. And uh, the recovery is going to take some time here is what the doctor said.
4: And you know that his wife recently had a, a stroke. Right. She's in her mid twenties. She had a mini stroke. Right. So this couple has been through a lot in the last they little have. while. And yeah, that video rattled me as well. Um, but you know, I appreciate that he was so honest and upfront because he's missed a couple of Toronto concerts. So he's just trying to keep his fans in the loop. And, uh, I appreciate that. I wish him well, I wish him the best. I wish him a, a, a road to recovery.
0: Well, and there's, there's sort of definitely a reset. I hope for him given, uh, and there'll be a lot of precautions taken when he, because you know, there's somebody who doesn't want to come out and say it. Whether it's his manager, whether it's it's somebody close to the organization that's very much a bottom line person that says, "Geez, I wonder when we can get back on the road. When can we oh, reschedule these shows?" You're selling out twenty thousand seat arenas, and you're grossing like over a mi- over a million bucks a show easily. Um, you got to pay people. You got to pay your staff. You got to pay this is this is entourage type stuff. Like you got a lot of people around you, but he carries the weight of that on his shoulders. And it, the treatment for Ramsey hunt seems to be a lot of antiviral. There's no surgery. It's just wait this out. Antiviral medications, uh, corticosteroids. Um, but it's, it's going to take time. And because like p- facial paralysis, hearing loss, that's not gone in a week. That's not gone in two weeks. And there is always that even as even such a small, small risk that it becomes permanent. I'm, I'm hoping, hoping like hell Uh, for this guy. I'm a massive Bieber guy now because I want this guy to to be able to do what he does best. I always want people, do what you do best as long as you want to do it.
4: That's the key, though, as long as you want to do it. Look at our recent beautiful bride, Britney Spears. Look what happened That's to right. her. Yeah. Right? She was surrounded by those by people who were just continuing to force mm. her to do things. And hopefully, you know, Bieber has a better, smarter team around him who actually have his best interests at heart.
0: So I think it's important to document you haven't driven into the States yet, right? You haven't you've been you've flown no. a couple places. Land border. I had to do this last night to be sure about this because I'm not here till Friday. I calculated what I'm paying per liter of gas in Michigan. Cuz you see all these headlines they're like $5 gallon of gas. It's 5.18 is the average price of gas in Michigan. That seems gigantic. But let's break this down. That's a okay. $1.34 US per liter. It's almost 4 liters of gas in a gallon in a gallon of gas. So what I'm paying when I cross the border tomorrow around lunchtime is a buck 68 Canadian. That's not... Gord, does wow. that sound does you sign up for that over the next uh, half decade? Yes, I
1: would.
0: In a heartbeat. <laughs> and 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 they're 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 wanting to riot about gas prices there. We're paying. So I figured out, Sheba, I'm probably paying for 260 liters of gas. I'm probably I would spend another $115 US on gas if I drove around Canada, like I'm gonna drive into Michigan, just for wow. like 60 hours here and there. Not 60 hours of straight driving, but just a quick two and a half day trip. What's the incentive for people like you, me, Gore, Dave, who have the means to take our family in the family truckster on a Clark Griswold that's fake. why won't we go to New York <laughs> State? Why won't we go to Michigan? Why won't we go to Ohio? What's our incentive to just drive around endlessly paying two dollars and 20 cents a liter or more?
4: This is a great question right. or more is, is every time I look at the prices, I think when I'm driving around and I see it for the day I'm thinking, okay, how much higher is it going to continue to climb? it's it gives you anxiety. It gives me anxiety. What's going on here? And uh, that's great for you. I mean, I'm it's it's very tempting to just cross the border at this point.
0: Like I I may not post video of me celebrating putting $5 and 18 a cent American gas into my car. But I just, I just told you, like, I'm saving about $0.45, $0.48 cents based on what the prices are going to be here, Gord. You should. I would love to see that video. <laughs> I want to live vicariously through I, you. Well, I got the gas pump in one hand. I got the phone in the other. <laughs> and then I, if I hit the wrong thing at the wrong, then I'm, I've, uh, then I'm on, it's a viral video, and I've caused some kind of fire.
1: I, I got a 55-liter tank, and in I filled Auburn up Hills. yesterday, and it didn't fill up all the way, and it cost me 100 bucks. Mm.
0: And you it's wanna cry. Crazy.
1: It's crazy. Yeah. You
0: wanna you, you wanna cry. All right, we saw this. We got a minute here. Uh, Amber Heard is yes. going to do a tell this is just hot, literally, hot off the griddle. She's going to do a television interview. What do we know about it? Who's she doing so, who's she sitting down with?
4: Savannah Guthrie. She's doing it this Friday, June seventeenth. She's sitting down and um she's talking about how really the jury was duped by a fantastic actor being Johnny Depp.
0: He's pretty uh, good. <laughs> I mean, well, Benny and June, uh, all she, those movies. Edward Scissorhands. Really? Good.
4: I think she's raging mad. She wants to let. She wants to express herself, her thoughts and her feelings. That's what she's saying, uh, and she wants to get it all out there. Her side of what happened. It's going to be uh, Friday at eight p.m.
0: Uh, but, but I think clips on the Today Show. Can we like, like? There's going to be clips. I think Friday morning. So when I'm back Friday, Anthony Farnell, step aside for a minute. We've just got fresh <laughs> audio. From Amber Heard. Amber Heard is not going to give us the weather forecast for the GTA like Anthony is, but also Johnny Depp and Anthony Farnell were not involved in any sort of libel slander trial. No, and I
4: will tell you this. I will say that I told you that nobody's going to care what she has to say now. She's canceled. She's done. No. But on I am very interested. I'm eating my words because I'm very interested to see what her what she's gonna say on Friday.
0: yeah, I, I I regardless of how the result happened, I hope that doesn't happen for her and I hope that she's she's yes. already uh, filmed the new Aquaman movie. so she's in the second Aquaman because she was in the first one.
4: <sighs> yes, but you know but, the misogyny Hollywood goes hand in hand so Let's see.
0: Hear that. All right. Thanks so much for listening. Rabina Ahmed-Hawk Inform me on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, guest hosting. I'll be back on the show on Friday and all of the next couple weeks after that, taking you through to the end of the month. But until then, be well, and we'll talk on Friday. Thanks so much for listening. You can always check out the podcast and the live version of the show of Toronto Today on the Radio Player Canada app or at 640toronto.com.